Welcome back or welcome to Grateful and Full of Greatness. I'm your host, Mark Lassini. On this podcast, I sit down with guests who, in my opinion, live their lives with the pursuit of greatness in mind. This platform allows me to discuss and explain strategies that go into reaching peak performance. This is episode number 44. My guest, Trevor Baptiste arguably the greatest lacrosse face-off specialist of all time. Trevor is coming off one of the most prolific Premier Lacrosse League seasons where he was awarded both the face-off man of the year for the third time, as well as the most valuable player. Originally from New Jersey, Trevor was a four-time first-team All-American, two-time Toroton finalist, 2015 national champion at the University of Denver, and the first overall pick in the 2018 Major League Lacrosse draft. His excellence does not stop at multiple Premier Lacrosse League All-Pro and All-Star selections. He plays for the Philadelphia Wings in the National Lacrosse League and represents Team USA in both field and box lacrosse, winning a 2019 World Lacrosse Indoor Bronze Medal and 2018 World Lacrosse Field Gold Medal. Trevor's positive energy is infectious. His desire to grow the sport of lacrosse from underserved communities to overseas is unparalleled. A warrior in between the lines and a leader off the field, Trevor is one of the best role models and ambassadors for lacrosse. I'm excited at this opportunity to learn where his fire comes from and how he continues to take his game to another level. Trevor, thank you so much for carving at the time. No, no, thanks for having me, man. I mean, you're gassing me up on the on the intro. I appreciate it. I appreciate just, it. Just a little bit. And uh, before we dive into your earlier uh, chapters of your journey, uh, could you share just a little bit on on why you feel you were able to have such a breakout season? Obviously, you've had many great years, but was there something special about this one? Yeah, you know, I think um, yeah, obviously it was a great it was a great season personally for me, and, and I think it was a solid season for our team. Uh, I definitely think. Uh, it was unfortunate, you know, obviously every season you go in, the, the the number one goal is to win a championship, you know, with the team. So um, we're still working towards that. I think a lot of the success that came from me was, um, one, I think I have a lot of great people in my corner, you know, like whether that's just the, the teammates on the Atlas, um, you know, my trainer, Pat Nolan, uh, you know, uh, Scott Lenz, you know, I think, linking up with him. And I know he was on the podcast before, uh, you know, looking at my life and the nutritional side of things really, I think really helped my game. Um, it just kept me more mentally locked in, um, outside like the physical standpoints. Uh, and like, I got to shout out my PT, you know, Nate Lilly, at, uh, physio pro and, uh, and the, the medical staff at the PLL, you know, I obviously had a little injury halfway through the season and was able to kind of keep going, which, uh, you know, I definitely know that wouldn't have happened without all of them. So. Outstanding. I, I mean, I was first introduced to sports psychology when I was in college. And then now I have mentors in the field of sports psychology that are in agreement with me that a lot of these gold medal winners and, and and people that win a bunch of accolades, they all say the same thing, that my relationships were really aligned. And I, I love how you immediately point to this team around you when it's just you at the face-off stripe, but there's clearly uh, so much that goes into it. Uh, I really wasn't uh, aware re until recently that I grew up about a half hour away from you uh, in New Jersey. What would you say uh, early life was like for you do you have a bunch of siblings was there really competitive at home like that or um what was it just besides lacrosse or was it always lacrosse for you yeah no man uh yeah Jer two jersey boys um uh, i you know growing up i had an older sister uh you know both you grew up morristown morristown or Iowa, new jersey about like okay. 30 minutes north of that yeah 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 so i was in denville so like right next to morristown went to high school in morristown um and uh, yeah, like I said, I had an older sister um, and my mom and dad, you know, I've, I was always into sports growing up. So I played all different types of sports. I played football, basketball. Uh, I did a little tennis. I swam. I ran track, played lacrosse, obviously. Um, I basically tried everything except baseball. I never played baseball because hmm. my mom, uh, my mom said I was too I had too much energy. She was like, when I was young, she's like, if you play baseball, you're going to get too much trouble. You're not going to focus. Like you got to be moving, you know? So, um, I didn't play baseball, uh, but yeah, so I was, sports was always something that, that I grew up with. And, um, you know, my dad played football growing up and, 
you know, my sister, mom and dad, like, I feel like we were all extremely supportive of each other. And obviously, you know, I'm so thankful for the relationship that I have with all of them because, you know, whether it was like me and my sister having a swim meet or, you know, us both playing lacrosse, they always made a point that they wanted to be at every game and cheering us on. And even if we weren't playing our best, you know, they were always there and they had our back. So um, that always kind of kept me going. And uh, they always really emphasized uh, striving for excellence. You know, like you don't want to go out and, and be average at really anything that, that you really want to do. So. I, um, I birds of a feather on that too. I only have one sibling it's an older sister and a lot of support from mom and dad. Uh, I wanted to ask you and, and maybe it just stays on the home front. Um, some of the earliest influences you had like role models and may, maybe it is just mom and dad, but it does it extend past that. Or, and if it's just them, what were some of the, the core principles you touched upon uh, striving for excellence, uh, but maybe you could point out some of the core principles that you grew up with. Yeah, no, definitely. Like I think, um, from a young age and, and still now, like my mom and dad are definitely my first and, and really number one mentors, you know, obviously as you get older, you know, there's so many great people that you meet in your life, you know, whether that's teammates or even somebody like Scott Lenz, like I consider him a mentor for me and, um, you know, coaches like coach Tierney and things like that. Like those are definitely all my mentors now. Uh, but growing up, you know, when I was really young, uh, I think, you know, what they, what they taught me, what they, uh, it's what they aspired to be was really the best versions of themselves, you know, and, and it was almost to the point growing up that, uh, I don't want to say annoying, but like, you know, when you're a kid and, uh, you know, maybe you're just hanging and you're, you're just really relaxed and, you know, my mom and dad would be like, no, like you have to do it like this or, you know, Hey, like, you know, make sure you're doing this right, you know? And I'm like, you know, like, what does it matter? You know, like, like, ah, like I'm just, yeah. Like it's been a long day, you know? And, sure. um, and, or, you know, like even having candid conversations, like it's almost like sometimes when I was younger, it kind of, it almost turned into a little bit of a lecture, you know, like, Hey, like, you know, make sure like you were doing the right thing or like doing right by people or trying to be your best working hard and I'm like I know already you know like I know like you don't have to tell me you know but um now looking back at it now being older you know I just am so appreciative of that because it really made a big difference you know and it, and it it really became ingrained in me through them that uh you know your attitude and, and the hard work you put in is important not just for the results but for the actual experience you know Hundred percent, and uh, you know, I I read this book by, by a guy named Benjamin Bloom. It's called Developing Talent in Young People. And by the end of this long book, it talks about how, like, because it studied people that were really successful in their craft of a sport, and a lot of the early factors go into having an environment that that that's surrounded by either love or belief. And then there's a there's an element that kicks in uh, across all these greats where they start to get noticed for what they do right? Where they either win an accolade or whether that be in high school or college or pro. And that kind of gives them another level of juice and like, oh, wow, I can do this. I can keep going to another level. So staying along the same thread of your life's journey, you know, coming out of high school, you already talked about coach Tierney. Were you heavily or under-recruited? Uh, what had ultimately led to you going to the University of Denver? Yeah, I was, I was extremely under-recruited. Uh, I should say that. I should say that, but <laughs> I, I, uh, I, you know, Denver was really the only top school that recruited me, top division one school. That recruited mm. me. So I, I think a lot of that is attributed to, I was a late bloomer, you know, in terms of my skill set. I, I didn't start facing off until I didn't start facing off seriously until maybe my sophomore going into my junior year of high school. So mm. like before that I played midfield, I played attack, I played defense, I played almost every position uh -huh. and I just kind of, got into face-offs because it was happenstance. Like we needed another face-off guy on our team. And they're like, Hey man, like you're athletic. You're, you like picking up ground balls and uh, we think you'd be good at, at facing off. And I was like, all right, like I'll learn it. Cause you know, when the starter graduates, somebody has got to do it, you know? So I, so why not? Um, and uh, I just really fell in love with the position. You know, I like, I really had a knack for it. And, uh, and it was, it was always fun for me. So with that being said, to your original question, you know, I don't think I really reached 
at least from a face-off standpoint, that true potential hmm. um, until later in high school. And back then, you know, kids were committing freshman year of high school. Oh, you know, yeah. there, were, there weren't any rules around recruiting. So, you know, come junior year, I'm really locked in. I know I want to play in college. Mostly all the Division One schools, their, their classes were full. So I committed to Franklin and Marshall, Division Three school in mm-hmm. Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And I was jacked up to go. Like, I was as excited to go there as I was when I switched to Denver. Uh, and then Denver just called me real late. They said, we need another face-off guy. And I want to shout out Chris Mattis. Uh, he was another one of my mentors and coaches uh, going through, going more through high school. And he was really the one that was like, you know, you're too good. Like you work too hard and you're too good to go mm-hmm. D three. Like I want you to go D one. So he started sending my tape out to people. Uh, he started, he actually invited some guys in a basement. It was in Berkeley Heights, New Jersey, I think, or, or Westfield, one of those two. And there's like this house with a basement that had turf in it. Mm-hmm. You know, not that big. And uh, he would invite the best high school guys in New Jersey. And we'd all just face off in the basement. Uh, and he would record it and then start sending it to other coaches. So I remember this guy, Jojo, he's committed to Rutgers. He was, you know, top of the line in New Jersey. You got Will Fox. We'd all come out and it was like the best going against the best. And then he was like, you know, Trevor's doing really well. Like, this is a guy you should look at. Um, and I kind of got recruited off that. Like, that's mm-hmm. really where I got recruited to Denver, you know? Yeah, I think, I think we all need a lot of boys that were yeah. to push for us. Something that I probably bring up once a podcast at this point when we start to talk about this because you, you brought up late late bloomer and I just want to get the story out is uh, I was uh, this is from Real Sports of Brian Gumble. Uh, they sit down with the athletic director, uh, Olympic athletic director of Norway, um, who you know the size of Minnesota ended up with the highest medal count in the 2018 Winter Olympics. Like, how does that happen? How do they beat, you know, Russia and the United States, these massive countries? And uh, when sitting down, uh, you find out you can't rank, score, or time someone in Norway unless they're like 12 years old, right? And that's much different than it is here in America. And you, he went on to say that two-thirds of those medal count winners, that, to- that huge total in 2018, were late bloomers. So about that age of like 12, 13, they start to like, yeah, I'm going to go the Olympic route. Right. And I think that that's important because you have here in America where it's just like, you know, parents are screaming at fourth grade games. Right. And then there's not, there's nothing there yet. So I I want, if you could to speak to the the young student athlete with that, that has dreams of of playing at the next level, what kind of advice given your story uh, would you give them in order to realize that dream? Yeah. You know, I think, I, I would, I guess I would start out by saying, you know, where you want to get to the core principle that's going to get you there is development and, and getting better. You know, I think a lot of times, um, especially like even looking at my experience, when you're going through it as a high schooler and you know, you want to reach your goals, you're trying to think about all the different things that you have to do to, to get there that sometimes don't even revolve around just getting better, you know? Um, so they're like, you know, I got to make sure I go to this tournament. I make sure I got to email this coach and do that. And, and that stuff's really important. But the most important thing is getting a little bit better every day. You know, mm. so eventually you get to the point where, you know, coaches can't not take you, you know, because you just are so good. And mm. that's because you put time in being that good, not because you put as much time just trying to get in front of them, you know? Um, so I think that's a big piece, but, um, and then I also think like, there's so much noise, especially in recruiting. And especially when you're younger, uh, when you're looking over your shoulder, you're looking at somebody else that uh, maybe committed somewhere and maybe you feel like you're just as good as them, or maybe you feel like he's a lot better than you. And maybe, Oh, he's so much further ahead than I am. You know, there's no way, you know, he's going to, Denver so you know he I'm this much better than him so really realistically all I can get to is like I don't know a lower tier division one school and it's just not that there is no correlation there like that's just you making things up in your mind you know Mm -hmm. it's it's if you want to get to that place you just got to put the work in to get there you know Mm -hmm. and 
and maybe it happens at different times for people. You know, maybe it is, you know, you start out at a division three school, you transfer, or maybe, you know, you get committed your senior year, like me, you know, it, it it's, it's a different path for everybody, but you just want to focus on getting better. Um, and that's the most important thing, you know, a hundred percent, you know, uh, right. When you said that first part where it's not even about the commitment, it's about development, uh, Cal Newport wrote this book called Be So Good They Can't Ignore You. And I really hesitant like about the book because I didn't like how I was like, you, you shouldn't follow your passion at all. If you care about something, steer away from that. You have to be good at it. And I was like, eh, you know, I don't really like that. I think it could be a blend, right? But he, I, I get the point he was trying to make, which was, you know, uh, get so good that you start to be recognized, right? right. You and Chris Mattis' basement, it's like, okay, he's winning all the face-off here. Some, something's going on here. And then over time, when you play that kind of 1% better, I mean, the best competition, like we're very comparative, but the best competition is you yesterday. You know that guy inside and out and backwards. It's like pretty good competition for you. Uh, to build upon. I love your point about noise. I just think that, you know, nowadays it's just like way too much noise and people are losing their internal signal uh, on that front. Um, hopping back, you know, you, you do develop, you go to the University of Denver and you do something that many, many teams, you know, you know, dream about um, and you won a national championship. What, what, what was it about that team? What, what made it possible? Yeah. You know, uh, it, we had a really special group and, um, you know, I think, I think really what, what drove us over the top was one, you know, we had an amazing coaching staff, you know, with coach Tierney, coach Brown, Sean Orson, uh, Trevor Tierney is a volunteer. Um, but also the culture that was built on the team. Um, now that was my freshman year. Right. So, you know, you think about in my eyes, right. Like almost a year before that, like a little bit more than a year before that I was going to Franklin and Marshall, you know, and then, you know, fast forward just over 365 days later, you know, we're playing at Lincoln Financial for a national championship. It's it's crazy to me to think about, but it, the culture of the team was set before I even stepped on campus, you know? So when we walked in, you know, it was like, you got to fall in line to this culture or you're not going to, you're not going to be on this team, you know? And, and that culture based was based upon you know caring for everybody being a great teammate um and everyone doing their role to the best of their ability you know so it wasn't uh it, it wasn't you know it wasn't me ball you know we played as we played as a unit and we understood that everybody had a role um and you understood that quickly coming in freshman year you know so i knew coming out like i didn't even know if i was gonna start but I knew that I just needed to face off really well in practice so I could make the team better. That's like what was in my mind. Mm. And that's how everybody felt on the team. And, and from day one, it was, you know, we're going for a national championship. Like I remember we won the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, won the uh, big East that year and the captains, they didn't even want to take the trophy. They didn't even want to hold it. They were like, this is not our goal. You know, like they, they were, nobody was even smiling, you know, like we were locked in. Um, right. you know, cause that was what we came here to do. And that was ingrained from the day we foot, step foot on campus, um, which was pretty cool. Which was pretty cool. I, uh, I mean, all I'm hearing is like that clear vision that you guys all had, uh, caring for everyone, being a good teammate. And then third and finally, just doing that role really, really well. And I think that kind of, that gets lost as well. I know we're talking about, uh, be getting recruited and, and what goes into that. And then, you know, you see younger athletes. I know for myself, played attack in high school. You know where I play now. You know, it's the other side of the ball. It's a complete opposite of attack, right? And then you talk about your story. You know, I'll play that. You know, I'll play that. And I'll become really great. I felt the same way about short stick defensive midfield. I was like, whoa, I could be good at this. I like. There's something about it. I don't know what it is. I like this. Is there something? That, that's how you felt about it. So something that's not talked about enough, in my opinion, is that versatility and willingness to play anything, that ability, that that capacity to, to play different positions, to develop various skills, and to help the team win by any means necessary. I mean, you cultivated that in your game box and field and facing off and being a scoring threat. You know, what are your thoughts? on versatility and, and how have you evolved your specific game over time? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think versatility is so important. And, 
you know, I was actually, uh, I was talking, I was on a podcast with uh, Inside Lacrosse the other day, and, and we were talking about face-offs a little bit. This, it didn't make the podcast, what we were talking about, it was kind of after, because uh, it was a little, you know, they, they kind of were saying, hey, like, you know, maybe they should take the face-off out of the game, you know, there's always, there's always talk about that and, and things like that, and, you know, I think face-off guys get this, get this uh, bad reputation that, all you can do is face off, you know, all you can do is face off and you have such an impact on the game, but all you do is face off, you know, Mm. Um, which like in some ways, like I understand, like unbiasedly and objectively, I understand where some people come from with that. Mm. Right. Mm. But I've, it is, it is a hundred percent fact. The better you are as a player, the more face offs you win. Like Mm. that's a hundred percent true. So, you know, one guy, if, if some guys really lights out the face off and he's got a great clam, fast hands, can pop the ball, catch it and put it in his stick. Right. And then that's the face off. Right. And there's a lot more to it that that needs you need to get the ball to your offense or you need to clear the ball or you need to not get stripped. You know, so it, all those things really add to your face off percentage. Um yeah, I think people don't realize as much. And I, and I feel like the more versatile I became as a player, the more it's helped me at the face-off X outside of helping me in all those other things that I got better at, you know? Sure thing, man. I, I mean, all I can do is nod in agreement on that one. And I'll tell you, I don't edit the podcast. So whatever you just said is going to make it on. Yeah, just- no, no, no. yeah like, <laughs> we're, you know, we were saying, we were saying some, uh, you know, <laughs> we're going back and forth. Like, I thought, you know, we, we talked about the, the, the originality of like why there was hate on face-off guys and you know a lot of stuff mm. like I don't I don't really think we need to put that in because a lot of it was uh maybe a little too opinionated but <laughs> like I what I just said is is very much true and and I think you see it everywhere you know like once you get like even if it's, it's just getting a better stick like being able to handle the ball with a better stick like it makes everyone better you know goalies yeah. you know defensemen you know it just makes you better it makes you do better at your job uh so that versatility i think is is so important in, in the game and, and in life really because it's just so amazing how it always comes up in our sport rather than you know if they you brought that up in hockey it'd be ridiculous right, right. People, people love a puck drop right and, and they would love the scrap for it i think it's it's an important part of the game so what i want to ask you is you're now a veteran pro lacrosse player, you know, the, the days of high school and all that, you know, have come and gone. What would you say uh, is different and, and what's the same uh, about Trevor Baptiste compared to the days when you were in college and, and a very young professional? Yeah, man. Uh, it's crazy to think uh, how long, you know, we've both been doing this, you know, how long we've been doing this. Um, I think, uh, I think in terms of things that, have I guess I'll start with things that stay the same um like I, I definitely have the definitely the fire and, and the passion and you know general enjoyment and love for the game um that I did when I was younger you know I started lacrosse because my friends that I played football with played lacrosse and I had no idea what it was and I was just like, I just want to hang out with my friends and it was a very social thing for me um and it wasn't until like you know high school that I took it really seriously and I took it seriously because I just couldn't stop playing it. You know, I couldn't stop. I'd be in the back. I'd get home from school, go right in the backyard, like shoot around the backyard. And or I'd be like, you know, playing wall ball or something, you know, like always messing around like with a lacrosse stick. And it was just so fun for me. So I think that is very much has stayed the same. Um, I think some things that have changed um, is one kind of working smarter sometimes. So I think, you know, playing indoor and outdoor, uh, I, I, I found that you need to have time to take care of your body and your mind, you know, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's just having alone time, um, you know, being able to say no to some things, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, that was something I really struggled with because mm-hmm. I definitely just want to be there for everybody. And, you know, sometimes like I don't have enough time for myself, you know, and mm-hmm. that's something that took me, you know, years into my pro career to figure out, you know, so, and I think it, and I think it's helped my game. Um, I think in terms of like nutrition and, you know, Scott, you know, I can't talk more highly about Scott, like he's, 
he's helped me so much with that. Uh, that was never a strong suit for me, you know, ever. Uh, right. I just was, you know, I'd always work out and, and play and practice, but, uh, you know, I never really focused on, you know, am I getting all the protein? Am I getting all the water I need? Things like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'd say those things. I, I, um, I want to say something about both of them. One, when I, I see a lot of, uh, I mean, especially nowadays, it's just really grown, you know, performance anxiety, especially in young, young athletes. Um, a simple, a simple joke that I say is when, when an umpire, you know, starts a baseball game, does he say play ball or does he say work ball? Right. right. Because I, when, when you talk about what stay the same, I mean, fire, passion, you love playing the game. Right. I had Anson Dorrance, UNC women's soccer coach on last. And one of his core principles is love for the ball. Uh, in a, in a graduate sports psychology course, we had a, uh, D2 track and field coach from Long Island, uh, who had this kid reach out to him and said, I want to run at your school. My parents are legacy, all this. He said, that's great. You know, but, but you're, so why don't you send me your times sent his times? Not great. He said, you know, you just can't come here. Fast forward. The kid gets in on his own, walks onto the team. And it's the only Olympian that coach has ever had. Wow. And the point of that story is that coach changed his first recruiting question. Would you still run here if we didn't have a program? Right. Wow. And, and that's that that's a beautiful story because you can't replicate that. Right. Love for the ball. Mia Hamm had it. That's what, what uh, Anson Dorrance said. And then uh, I couldn't agree more with you on the working smarter and the longevity side of things. You know, I, I, we have such a mutual admiration, uh, have been come close with and utilized body composition with Scott Lenz. You know, could you share in a few words what it's like been when working with him? Uh, I know you say you absolutely love it. And maybe how has it shaped your perspective on high performance? Yeah, you know, it's it's definitely uh, it, it's made me definitely more focused, but also um, it's changed my whole perspective on, you know, specifically food and, and nutrition, but also everything in terms of fuel and like how are things helping you? So, um, you know, there's balance, right? Everything, everything, there's there's balance with everything. So like, obviously, you know, alcohol is not good for people, you know, like after a big win, like, am I going to have some drinks with the guys? Like, absolutely. You know, and, and you need to, that there's value to that in your life, you know, mm -hmm. like those, mm -hmm. those good times, you know, having those conversations, just being with the group, um, being able to enjoy a couple drinks or something like that, uh, that, that brings value to you. Um, on the reverse side, like, you know, something like protein, like, I'm not eating the protein because maybe necessarily, you know, most of the stuff I eat tastes good. Right. But it's giving me fuel, you know, like there's value to that. Mm. Um, and then just being able to balance those things in my life. So like, if I want to splurge a little bit, like, why am I doing it? What's the value that I'm getting from that? Mm. Um, is it because I'm stressed or because I just feel like I need to treat myself then maybe there's mm -hmm. another way I can treat myself and give, and give me, and give myself that value, you know? Mm -hmm. And I feel like I've, I've learned all that with Scott um, indirectly. And then the actual body scans, you know, have been so impactful because I truly have found that you can't, you can't really see what's going on with a scale. You can't, you can't see what's going on. You know, like you are, I, I hop on the scale and then sometimes like, oh, wow, like I lost five pounds or I gained five pounds and I feel like, oh, I've been working out a ton. Really, I gained five pounds of fat or something or, hey, like I lost five pounds of muscle because I'm not eating enough protein. So mm. being able to break all that down and, and then actually see the results very uh, explicitly really, mm. helped, really helped me. So even if it's incremental, like, oh, like, you know, your visceral fat went down like one centimeter square or something like that. Like I'm taking a step in the right direction. You know what I'm saying? So it's, you, you don't lose hope, you know? Yeah. And a, a lot of people shy away from the measurable, right? It, it, it's, right. Could be, it could be a scary thing if you know you haven't been doing it, right? And I just want to add the fact, I, I partnered with Scott uh, a long time ago and he's a dear friend. And the reason why I uh, sing his praises is not only is the stuff great, the body composition analysis, but he meets it with empathy. He's in your corner. He holds you accountable. Um, and that's what you want, right? You, you want somebody who cares about your measurables and is in your best interest. That's, that's a true coach. You know, who, who kind of rides or dies with you, you know? So, uh, 
you know, you talked about more focused. I found that really interesting. It's like, that's really connected when you said nutrition and body comp, right? It, uh, to me, more focus is like an emotional or mental, you know, cue rather than, you know, anything getting more chiseled or more jacked, right? So I found that to be an interesting word choice that you choose. But I also found that, you know, by improving my nutrition, by ba- making better choices, I was more emotionally calm, less on edge, you know, less lethargic sort of idea. Staying along the thread of more focused, I want to go into like kind of your micro mindset about a game. You know, when the world watches you play, Trev, it's like they see a combination of this, at least, you know, I'm just speaking for the masses here, a combination of like strength and speed and a relentlessness from the X to all over the field. So what would you say is your approach to the game uh, when you're at your best? Like, do you have a mentality that makes it most helpful when you step inside the lines? Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I think having a clear mind, obviously, obviously is key. Uh, I think, you know. Uh, Dave Morrow, who uh, he, he started Warrior, he's all-time great defenseman, um, played at Princeton, Team USA. And, uh, I, I sat down with him uh, one time in college, and it was kind of at the end of college, I was getting ready for, for Worlds in 2018, and we were talking about, it was multi-purpose, we were talking about like a sponsorship opportunity, but I just asked him, I'm like, you know, man, like I'm a little nervous for uh, this this world team, you know, like like I'm a young guy, you know, I'm just, I'm the youngest guy out here, you know, we're going against like grown men, um, you know, Canada team is really good. You know, everybody there is really good. And what he said to me, I will like hold forever. And he basically was like, you know, he was like, why are you nervous? <laughs> and I was like, I, and I was like, what do you mean? Why am I nervous? He goes, <laughs> he goes, Trevor, you've already proved it. Like you've, you've had success at such a high level. Like you've made the team, you've, you showed that you belong, you know, you showed that you belong now on a given day, you know, I think it's very, at least I feel this, like, like, you know, sometimes you start feeling like, Oh, maybe I feel a little off today. Like, I don't know. Like, and then you start second guessing yourself. Maybe you didn't hit all the shots that you usually hit in warmups, you know, mm-hmm. maybe you just like felt a little slower and then you're like, Oh man, like maybe I don't have it today. Maybe I don't have it. Mm-hmm. And, I think I personally think that there's there's on and off days, you know, sure. and what Dave said was he goes like, you know, when you're on, he's like, everything's easy. He's like, you, he's like, you never have any worries when you're on. He's like, and when you're off, like you just got to work twice as hard and like it's going to be a really hard day and you're going to have to grind for every little thing. Mm-hmm. But he's like, I truly he's like, I think that's what got you here. And I think you like doing that. And I was like, you're right. I, I do. And he was like, that's it. He's like, there's nothing to worry about. It's either you're going to have to, everything's going to be really hard and it's going to suck and it's not going to come easy. And he's like, and that's going to be the worst thing that's going to happen. <laughs> that's going to be the worst thing that's going to happen. So like, I think that, you know, kind of clears my mind, like I said before, but also, you know, there is that aura of confidence yet humility you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? so it's like you're humble in why you got here you know mm-hmm. the hard work that it took to get here and that you can be humbled by somebody or by a situation and you have been and you and the confidence comes in is you have what it takes to get past that you know it might not be the best day you know but you have what it takes to get through it you know it's so well said and uh one of the main reasons I wanted to have you on here was, yeah, you just won most valuable player. I mean, that's just absolutely amazing. And and congratulations. I just think there's a lot of people that can learn, you know, that guy just won. He's, he's at the pinnacle of the sport. Right. And then he could still use words like nervous. It's like, that's just, to me, that's beautiful. Right. And and when I talk about the psychological aspects of lacrosse and life, right. What, what you can look to do is, just the same way Dave said to you is, you know, you've proved it. So you come across like this, this storm in your life, bad situation. You got to deal with it. It's important to reflect and, and say, oh, what I do there and how can I bring that to this situation again? Because you have the internal resources, you have what it takes. And sometimes amidst that, you know, nervousness, uh, you can still find confidence, which I love and humility. Like you said, I, there's a, a quote from a, a movie called, uh, chasing Mavericks, where it says, fear is healthy, panic is deadly. 
you know, I really like that. It means you care. It means you care what, what's about to happen here. You're not overcooked. You're not like on edge, like, oh no. Right. But there's this like such a readiness for it. Uh, let's go to that kind of the sponsorship route that now that you've brought up Dave and all that, I, 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 in in terms of like you are res- representing more than just yourself, right? You're representing your sister and your and your and your, and your mother and, and father, but more of a broad stroke question about the state of our sport. Uh, one we both devoted roughly two decades of our life to. You know, what are the positive highlights that you're seeing in our sport, and, and what are the glaring challenges that you're seeing nationwide and globally? What would you like to see uh, our sport do to continue to flourish from the fastest growing sport to more? Yeah, yeah, no, I think, um, you know, like you said, like we put, we put so much time into this game um, and it's been so rewarding and exciting to see how, how fast it's grown, you know, it, how fast it is growing. And, um, and even, you know, obviously everybody says, you know, start the PLL and, uh, you know, how much opportunity there really is there. Uh, a little tangent. Uh, I remember getting drafted, you know, first overall in the MLL. And we had a really talented class, like the, the draft class. And, you know, back then, which wasn't that long ago, there's guys going in the first round that they're like, oh, yeah, you know, maybe I'll do this. Maybe I won't, you know, like, mm. you know, like, oh, like, you know, it's like, yeah, this seems cool. Like, mm. uh, like I don't really know if, if I really want to do it. Like, there wasn't hype about it, you know? And now you got kids, you know, coming out of college, kids not even in college kids not even in high school that they're like, I want to play pro, you know, I want to go pro. I don't want to just play division one. I want to go pro, which was never really like that, which is, which is really cool. Um, But some things that, uh, you know, that, that I'd like to see change is, you know, I think, you know, making lacrosse more diverse is obviously something that's really passionate to me Um, and maybe like more equitable in that standpoint. I think there's, um, I think, you know, lacrosse going mainstream is, is something that needs to happen, but I think it has this stigma, you know, and, and, and in my mind, I feel like I've put a lot of pressure on myself to, to, to try to break that stigma. And uh, I got to the point that, you know, it's on a lot of us, you know, it's on a lot of us that play and that don't play. You know, and and I think that's more of a it's more of a general humanitarian conversation. But you know, really, what it is is it's you know it's it's trying to categorize people by what they do, um, which isn't fair. Like that's in in some ways, uh, it's it's profiling, right? It's 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 not fair. So to say like, hey, oh, you play lacrosse, like you must be like this, mm. um, and it's something that I've really have had to deal with, you know, being black, but also, you know, like where I grew up, where I went to school, the sports I did play, like, I felt like I've gotten pressure from both sides, right? Like I've, I've had like people that are white that are like, you know, like I'll never be white enough, you know? And then people that are black are like, you know, you'll never be black enough, you know? And, um, it's kind of a weird situation to be in sometimes, uh, and I just wish that the world wasn't like that. And I think our sport is kind of like a microcosm of that, you know, and mm. I'd like to see that change. I don't know how that, that does change, but I think hopefully, you know, just me being myself helps that, you know, <laughs> like hopefully it does, but I don't know. Well, it's certainly uh, my uh, prep school coach, uh, Chip Davis, who was on this podcast, he recommended this book. It's a really thin book, yellow book. It's called The Students Are Watching. And the book's all about the power of observation, right? You know, the, and, and you know this, and I know this, you walk into a classroom, it, it's not just about what the teacher is talking about, you're observing everything about them, you know, how are they caring, how are they treating that person, how's that? And, you know, you're such a great ambassador for this sport, Trev, I don't think there, there needs to be pressure because you're just you, and on this podcast, all that comes out is your range, right? Your range of, uh, you know, humility to nervousness to excellence and your story. And it just comes out so authentically. And all I could say is just by you being you, 
you know, the students are watching and the next generation is watching. And I think there's something really powerful about that, you know, and part of the reason I named this podcast, what it is, is, you know, full of greatness. I love high performance. Peak performance is my passion. It's love. What I, you can't get in a conversation with me for more than a half hour where I'm not talking about sports psychology just happening. Right. But the gratitude side really matters to me as well. It's like, what you just, you know, have you ever read an obituary of a guy who was a born orthopedic surgeon? It just doesn't happen, right? There's somebody that taught him or her along the way. So, I mean, I asked you really early on, you know, your influence as a kid, you've grown up, you've evolved, you talked about coach Tierney and all that. Is there anyone now inside the sport of lacrosse or outside that you would point to as a major impact uh, on your performance as a player or a person? Yeah, no, I think, um, I mean, I've been shouting about all day. I Scott, man. Scott. <laughs> That's that boy, man. That's the best, man. man. Uh, <laughs> no, man. He's helping me out a ton. But I think, you know, right now, like also, I think if if you want to talk about lacrosse specifically, you know, somebody like Paul, like I look up, I look up to Paul, um, Paul Rabel a ton, uh, just because everything that he's done. Um, and that's not to say like like we're the same we're the same person necessarily like I think uh you know kind of what I was saying before about um you know that racial topic and you know things that I felt uh in ways that I've been misunderstood um in in my career and just who I am uh I think when you get to the top of the game it's very easily easy to be misunderstood you know so I so I so I really see that side of him, you know, that that people kind of misunderstand him a lot mm. uh, and and how he copes with that. And sometimes like it's learning, you know, maybe like everybody's going through like maybe, you know, he went through something and he felt like he didn't do it the right way, you know, and he learned from that. Then I could watch that and be like, OK, well, you know, if I'm ever in a similar type of situation, like now we both know we shouldn't do it this way, you know, and I think. Um, so I, so I look up to him in, in that retrospect, also somebody like Kyle Harrison, you know, mm -hmm. Kyle Harrison, who's just, um, I mean, he's, he was my idol and still is, you know, <laughs> a, a player. like growing up, I would watch his clips. I would watch his games Same, uh, and just how he's carried himself through everything. It's been, it's been really special and to have the opportunity to play against him and kind of see like, also how he's going onto the next stage of his, of his life and career, you know, now not playing um, is really cool. It's really special. Um, so those are people that definitely I look up to now. You know, I think uh, what comes to mind is both those guys, you know, and look what Paul's doing for our sport. Look what Kyle's doing for our sport. It's man in the arena sort of idea. You know, it's really easy to be a critic. One of the things I like to talk about when it comes to performance psychology is we can't necessarily choose uh, what we're interested and who we admire. We either right. are interested in something or we were in, are not. I thought that took the top of my head off the first time I heard that. And then, you know, you just, people, you might not like it about them, right? Because of the accolades or whatever attention they're getting, but you admire about them, right? right. And, and that's what I feel really cool. Um, and that's what I really want to keep coming back to is you're such a great ambassador for the sport, right? Uh, for, for many, many reasons. And not only do, do you excel individually, you know, from an MVP award, you're, you're a leader of men, you know, you're the team captain of Atlas lacrosse club and you're a member of team USA. So for a young coach that may be listening, uh, what advice would you give to him or who, her who wants to create a winning culture? Yeah, no. And I appreciate that, man. You know, I think, I think winning culture um, all revolves around one is really important to set that culture, you know? So like be not being afraid to just be like, Hey, like, you know, we're here to win and we want to, you know, win a championship and that's what we're trying to do, you know, and it might not even seem reachable maybe at, at, at the start, but, mm. you know, everybody's on the same page. And if everybody's working towards that and wants to work towards that, like, let's do this thing, you know, and mm. if you don't like, maybe this isn't the place for you, you know? Mm. Um, so I think that's important. And then I also think connectivity is so important um, within the group. So, you know, obviously, you know, with any team, there's going to be guys that you get along with and they're your best friends. And you got guys that 
you are friends with and you have guys that maybe like, you know, if you weren't on the same team, maybe you wouldn't even be friends, you know, but mm-hmm. you guys all have, you guys all, everybody needs to be connected and that you all care about one common goal. And that goal is extremely important to you. So you do care about each other, you know, everybody truly cares about each other and everybody really respects each other. Um, and those bonds that you make, a lot of times that's what happens off the field, really help the success and the results on the field. Um, and even something simple, you know, I think as a coach, you know, you say like talking to a young coach, like, like it's really like, you got to make a lot of tough decisions, right? Like there's going to be situations where, you know, there's a guy that, you know, maybe he's worked so hard and you're like, I'm going to have to sit you, you know, because there's another guy that's maybe best suited to be there. And without having a strong rapport with that player, it could look like you don't care about every single person on the team, you know? So it's kind of counterintuitive. Some, some people kind of feel like, Hey, I want to keep my distance just in case like I do need to make that decision. It's not too emotional, but Mm -hmm. I'm very much a believer that if you really make an emotional and like meaningful connection with somebody and you do have to make a hard decision, like they know it's coming from the right places. You know what I'm saying? It almost makes it easier in some ways. It it doesn't really make sense, you know, but hopefully Mm -hmm. I'm making sense with that, you know? Definitely does. The idea that comes to mind for me is build a bridge of trust so strong it can withstand the weight of the truth. Right. Ooh, I, like that. I like that because it takes time to build that rapport, right? So much time, so much investment. Uh, I really think coaching is one of the hardest things to do in the world, man. I think it's one of the hardest things to do in the world. You're dealing with a bunch of different personalities and to get them going in the same direction. Uh, people ask me, you know, what's one of my favorite books? It's it's The Boys in the Boat. It always comes back to that because you have all these different personalities, you know, I think nine of them, and they have to pull in the same direction as hard as possible, right? How is that not life? Yeah, that's life, right? It's like you have everybody's different in so many ways, right? And they have to they have a common goal like you're talking about. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. In fact, it's one of the hardest. Uh, I want to, before we wrap up, I want to do a quick little speed round. Uh, so people can get a, a sense of your your life outside of lacoste. Is it okay if I ask you a, a series of rapid fire questions? For sure, man. All right. I love this speed round. Let's go. I'm a long winded, so hopefully I do well. Right. <laughs> Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. What's your favorite movie or TV show? Ooh, uh, Game of Thrones. What's your favorite food? Uh, my mom's mac and cheese. Nice. What's your favorite hobby outside of lacrosse? Ooh. Um, I just got into this, but I've been DJing a little bit. And it's fun. Nice. Um, I like that. Very, very, very new to it. So. Uh, All about I'm, development, right? All about development. I'm developing on the sticks. That's for sure. That's for sure. <laughs> if you could have dinner with two people, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Ooh. Um. Uh, I'd say Barack Obama. Um, can I say Jesus? Oh, yeah. Jesus. And why those two? That'd be, that'd be, that'd be a great conversation right there. Phenomenal. You know, I think, I think Obama, uh, you know, just I think being sitting down with any president would, would be great. You know, just talking about their responsibilities, you know, what's their day-to-day like, you know, the, the um, being able to compartmentalize so many things that mm-hmm. are going on in your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, one, you know, and then also for him specifically, you know, being the first and only black president, you know, what was that like? And, um, you know, how was that experience? Uh, you know, I think I don't want to sound too like off when I say this, but like, you know, historically, um, the white house is, was filled with white people, you know, like a white man's house. And lacrosse has got this stigma, though it's the roots of the game are from Native Americans and the indigenous people. Like it was, it's very, uh, in today's society, it's considered like a white man's sport, you know? So, um, you know, I think there's a lot we can relate to there and like how he's kind of got past certain obstacles and, and felt certain things. I'd love to talk to him about those. Um, mm-hmm. 
and then Jesus, I mean, I mean, it's Jesus Christ. Like, come on. Like, yeah, like he's Nothing to do with yeah, omnipotent. <laughs> you yeah, know? I got two more. What, what uh, your favorite place you ever traveled to? Oh, uh, New Zealand. Nice. Who is your favorite athlete outside of the cross? Ooh, um, that's tough. Can I give two? Yeah, you could get you could get two. I would say Michael Jordan. Mm. Um, so generic. And Serena Williams. Both really hardcore winners. You know, is that why? Or I mean, I think I think with that, like I think, yeah, like I definitely think winning is is great and like it's it's important. And you know, those two arguably the best to ever do it in both of their games. Um, I think Michael Jordan, why I would say why I put him on there was, you know, watching the documentary, just his, uh, his just strong sense of competitiveness and mm. how everything was so important and competitive is something that uh, really resonates with me because I feel like in some ways I don't have it to the extent that he does, you know, and like to be able to, uh, you know, just go in that killer instinct competitiveness. Mm. Uh, it's something really special. Uh, so I like that. And then Serena, you know, really, you know, putting her in there was watching her play this time around. Um, and, uh, you know, at the U S open, you know, obviously she didn't win it all, but, how much success she's had over her career to come back, play, and just to do it with so much, like, just tactfulness, you know, she's so tactful. And, like, even though she was in that – the the round she did lose, you know, it wasn't looking great for a while. But when her back was against the wall – How cool was that? She always just – when she was not losing. It was just not losing. It was relentless. It was relentless. Like, and, you know, granted, I don't know tennis that well, but she was in a situation where it's like, you know, the chances of her actually winning this match are very low, you know? And she did not let one point go. Like, you know, like she just kept... I think I, th I, I thought that was the best way she could have gone out. because. Oh. Phenomenal. She had chances to lose. What was it? Ten times. She had like ten. Yeah. Times. It was like so cool, back man. against the wall. I remember that, that was one of those things where I was trying to go to sleep. You know, I'm trying to go to sleep. I'm trying to go to sleep, and now I'm sitting up in my bed a little bit. Okay, whoa, what's going on here? And now my yeah. eyes bulging. I'm like, this is crazy. You know, crazy. that was just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. like that. That was just uh, amazing. And like you know, to be doing that with all the success that she's had, like, um, you know, I think, I don't think it would be off for, for somebody of her stature to be in that situation and be like, you know, Hey, you know, like I'm almost 40. Like this just isn't, you know, like, all right. Like, you know, thanks everybody. You know, yeah. this is my last ride. Like I wanted to see what yeah. I would do. I yeah. put the time in and like, I'm not going to win this match. Uh, so like, I'm just going to pack it in, you know, like this is it. Yeah. This is the end. And she was like, no, I'm going to claw and, and literally backhand my way <sighs> until I can't, until I cannot, until, you, until I'm out, out, you know, I will go down swinging. Oh. I respect that. It was so cool. Uh, just a few more questions. That ends the speed round. That was totally not a speed round, but that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I knew it wasn't going to be. <laughs> uh, just a few more questions and then we'll wrap up. But uh, staying with your life off the field, uh, you're on Denver City Lax Board member. Uh, could you share what that's like been like for you, the mission and why you do it? Yeah, yeah, it's been great, you know, getting in with those guys. And, uh, you know, E-Law is, is a director there. And um, really, he's like, like, I, I was like, as a board member, I, I'm so I'm very passionate about what they do. But at the same time, like, you know, E-Law is really doing it. You know, Elaw's the, the guy doing it, like I agree, man. putting the work in and, and and being with those kids every single day. You know, um, and uh, you know, for me, like just being a part of it and like 
seeing how lacrosse can change people's lives. And that's not mm. um, to say like, oh, they're going and getting a scholarship to go division one. Like, yes, like we've had send kids to do that, you know, for sure. But, you know, just giving them an outlet to be themselves, be creative, uh, you know, strive to be great, um, challenge themselves, you know, mm. in, in ways that they maybe haven't had the opportunity to be challenged like mm. that. Um, and, and where that takes them, it's really special. And, and it's a really, it's a really immersive experience. Like it's not just playing, you know, like we do, um, you know, camping trips and retreats and at mm. the office there's tutoring, you know, so you can come in before practice or you can just stay at, say, as a CELAC kid, you can stay at CELACs all day and, you know, do your homework. They got tutors, classrooms and, and shoot around, play. Uh, so it's also just a great place just for them to be, you know, like a really safe space, you know. I I uh, I say to a lot of my my younger athletes, going just almost like a hero's journey about the development thing. Uh, it's not what you get from it; it's who you become by it, right? Because it, when you're a kid, there's some things that happen in your life where you're like, "I'm there's never, I'm not going to get through this." It's like right. you, you will, you know, it, you know, hang on to you catch on sort of idea. So reflecting on your entire lacrosse career, Trev, uh, as a whole, from little league to where you are now, uh, what's something that you know now that you wish you knew when you were just a kid picking up a stick? Um, what I know now. Um, wow. Uh, I guess I would say, you know, you've really got to, you have to have an unwavering belief that you can do it, you know? And, and I felt like as a kid, I, I always worked hard and, and I always felt good. And I felt like I was like a good player, but like, I never thought that I could go division one, you know, I didn't think I could do it, you know? And I never, like I was putting the work in to do it, but I didn't think I could. I really didn't think it. I didn't believe it. And I didn't think I was going to go pro. You know, I go to Denver. I didn't even think I was going to play. I was like, yo, I'm making this jump. Like, I'm like, I'm going to play. I, I believe I believe that I was like, by my senior year, I'll be playing. Like, I know I'll be able to figure it out by then and, and mm. be able to catch up to this level. But mm. when I was a, when I came in, I was like, you know, I'm going to not be playing. I don't think, and, and I was okay with that. You mm. know, I was okay with that. Uh, so I think maybe if I knew that I could do it back then, um, maybe I could have, you know, excelled a little bit more, you know, developed a little bit quicker, you know? Um, yeah, I, I truly believe that. And, and I think just that confidence of, of, especially in game, like on the, on the micro scale of like, or you say you walk into a face off, like, every single time you go down and you don't think you don't truly believe that you can win the face off, you lose, you lose. <laughs> like you lost before you even went down. Oh, like wow. I, it, it's so true. Like I can, there's been times where I'm going down, I'm thinking, and I'm just like, Oh man, like I got to force him back. Cause I'm about to lose. Like, <laughs> whistle, over the whistle. I already know. I already know what's going to happen. Oh, man. I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about not winning, you know? How could you how could you ever take away the the face off X uh, from you the? Can't game? take it away, man. You can't take it away. It's a metaphor for life. You can't it's a metaphor for life. Nothing's guaranteed. You can't <laughs> just, you can't just start the day. Okay, all right, here's the ball. You know, like okay, now you get a shot. No, you gotta earn the right to get the ball. You gotta Amazing. earn the right for the ball. Amazing. It, That's it's, right. It's my last question. It's maybe the same answer. The unwavering belief. Uh, but how would you define greatness, Trevor? You know, we come on this podcast, you are full of greatness, but how would you define it? How do you know when you see it? Oh, man. Um, that's a tough question. Uh, I define greatness is, uh, you know, I, I, I really think like how you handle adversity is to me is, is really um, the definition of greatness, you know, and I think it kind of, you know, goes back to what I was saying, what Dave said, I think it goes back to, you know, Serena, you know, and, um, 
and a lot of things we talked about on this podcast, like I, I think when everything's going well, obviously there's a lot that went into getting there, right? When everything's going well, things are easy. You know, everything's easy and it's, it's not hard to be great when things are going your way, you know, <laughs> it's not hard to be great. Um, you know, it's, it's how can you get beat down and, you know, and lose and feel it and not get the bounces, you know, just be off mm. and still continue to put your best foot forward, you know, as a teammate, player, effort, um, and stay at it. Uh, I, I, I truly think that's, that's greatness. Uh, the, the Bernhardt's uh, father, uh, who has since passed, was our coach for the Bayhawks. And, and uh, I, I'll never forget, and I brought it up before and I'll say it again, you know, he, he said there's nothing – uh, more important than when you leave the locker room, uh, the guys on that team say, oh, that guy's a pro. That guy's a um, and, and they do their best even when they feel like at least. Uh, I really took that away from him. And I, re- I really appreciate how through almost every one of your answers is about a lot of humility. You know, many people will call it imposter syndrome. You know, I don't know if I can, I can play at Denver. It's humility. You know, you know I, I got to figure this out, right, if I want to really play. Is there any last thoughts you'd like to have? I really appreciate you coming on. No, man, I appreciate you having me. This was fun. Um, And uh, let's do it again sometime, man. Let's do it again. Sounds great.